Awesome. Got a question for you. Who's got leftovers in their fridge at the moment? No. Oh, there's a few. All teenage boys, no leftovers. A few, a bit of leftovers. Awesome. Now, there's some good leftovers and there's not so good leftovers. I, I don't know. I'm not so keen on, on sandwiches that are a few days old. I'm not so inspired by leftover sandwiches. Or the worst one, I reckon, is, is cereal. I remember once as a kid, my younger brother, he'd obviously done something naughty and, and he hadn't finished his breakfast and mum had said to him, you're not having anything out to eat until you finish your breakfast. So the, the cereal went in the fridge and when he was hungry, out came the cereal and I'm thinking, that's pretty cruel. That's some pretty hard discipline. But that, I reckon that's on the, on the bad side. There's, there's, not, there's leftovers that aren't so good. What do you reckon the good leftovers are? Chocolate mousse? Pizza, lasagna, lasagna, that's up there for me. Mac and cheese, good leftovers, yep. Anything else? Ham, you like a bit of ham left over? I'm a big fan of the, the cheesecake or the chocolate ripple cake. That's always good when you've had visitors over and you, you open the fridge this next day and like, awesome, there's some more cheesecake left. So not good for me, but it's, it's always nice to open the fridge. Now, leftovers have a couple of um, things about them. First of all, they're a, they're a sign of abundance, aren't they? Leftovers mean there was more than you actually needed for the meal. Now, there's some places in the world where the fact that we're talking about leftovers would blow their mind. The idea that there was actually more than the meal, like, how does that work? How can you prepare more than people would eat? And how would people actually leave the food at the end of the meal? Like, that's, that messes with their head. But it also is a, is a reminder of having people over and community and gathering and often when you pull out the leftovers, you're reminded of the awesome time that you had, particularly after Christmas and New Year's, assuming that you had an awesome time with people. It's not always the case. But I, I want to just briefly talk a little bit. There's two parts this morning to what I want to share. But the first part is that when we come to this point in the year, quite often how we look at last year uh, varies. And we think about that like leftovers, there's um, memories, there's thoughts, there's regrets, there's things from last year that, that we're happy to open up and see and there's other things we're not so keen to, to look at about last year. There's some people that will post on Facebook, you know, good riddance to 2017, glad it's over, looking forward to the next year and just happy to see the close the door on that year. Um, out with the old, in with the new. And there's some aspects of that that you can understand but the way we look at 2017 has to consider something. And that is we can throw it all out if God had nothing to do with it. We can throw the leftovers out, everything that was left from 2017, everything that we've still got. from We can throw out if God had nothing to do with it. But if God did have something to do with it, then that changes things. And how we look at 2017 and what we what we carry over in terms of the leftovers, the things that we want to hold on to, needs to change. If he moved, if he worked, if he taught us something, if he helped us, if he provided, then we'd be crazy to throw it out. Because what that would mean is 2018, we're starting again. We don't actually carry anything that God did and taught and, and uh, encouraged and inspired. And there's a passage in 2 Peter. This is um, Peter's heading to the end of his life. And, and he's writing this letter and he says in 2 Peter 1, starting at verse 12, So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory 
as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. He knows he's going to die soon. But before that, he says, I think it is right to refresh your memories as long as I live. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. And we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, This is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. So, even though he knows they already know it, even though it was familiar, even though they held on to it, he said, I'm going to keep telling you, I'm going to keep reminding you. And so my question to you today is, what is it from 2017 that do you think God wants you to hold on to and remember? What is it from 2017 that God taught you, that he reminded you, that he revealed to you, that, he, that you experienced in 2017 that he doesn't want you to forget? There's things in our fridge, you know, when there's the prawns in the fridge, you don't want to hold on to them too long. They'll give you an upset something. So I'm not saying everything about 2017 was amazing. All I am saying is there's things in there like the cheesecake and the lasagna that he wants us to hold on to. But there's a second step to this. Because like Peter, he wants us to remind others of what he's given us. He wants us to remind others of what he's birthed in us. If there's something that God has reminded you of, it's for you to grow, but it's also for you to be a light to show others. If God's deposited something, it's for you to strengthen and, and, and be an influence on others. And Peter's going, I want to I wanna keep telling you, I saw the risen Christ. I experienced God. I know who that guy was. And I'm going to keep telling you because you need to keep remembering it, whether you've got it already or not. You need to keep remembering. And so I want to ask you this morning, are, are you brave enough just to share one sentence of something that you experienced God in 2017 that you want to declare this morning? That you want to share? There might be personal things that you go, I'm not, it's not ready for public consumption yet. That's okay. Um, there'll come a day when it'll be part of your testimony. But today, is there something from 2017 that came to mind when I said, what are you going to hold on from 2017 that you're prepared to share to remind people of this amazing God? That, and the reason I'm talking about this now is because this is where we're going. If God was in 2017, guess who's in 2018? This is not just talking about the past. This is reminding us about what's coming. Mine actually starts back in 2016. So it was 2016, um, I was driving to work and I had heard God clearly say to me that my job was going to change next year. So 2017 came along and I waited and waited and God had said I wouldn't know how my job would change. I wouldn't see it coming. I wouldn't know. He was working all the jigsaw puzzle pieces out and it wouldn't be until it happened that I would look back and I would see how he had laid the jigsaw puzzle pieces. And I'm not a patient person. So, <laughs> so for me, it was a real journey of just being patient and waiting in God. 
And as God quite often does, it was the third last week of my working year last year when my job changed. Um, and I didn't see it coming and I didn't know how it all, as, as he's told, told me, I didn't see it coming at all, but I can look back now. And so my testimony is if God tells you something, he will deliver. Um, and so, yeah, he doesn't promise you something or tell you something and not come through with it. Yeah. That's amazing. That is our God. Anyone else feeling brave enough to share? Just reflecting, um, I've always always been a been a prayer and, and probably I think 15 and 16 I reckon I was in in a little bit of a spiritual uh, wilderness I suppose and even though I was praying and doing all, all the things I, I just felt like I wasn't quite there um, and didn't quite have the the spiritual um, uh, oomph that that I that I really needed or wanted, and I, and I've always felt God saying that I am that sort of um, standing up on the at the gates and praying and and standing on the on the mountain and praying over people and things. And um, I think 2017 really really woke me up to that. Yes, yes, that is me, and and that um, I have that. I've always had that God-given uh, gift, but uh, I just woke up and um, and it was funny leading just into Christmas time and that it, just with the busyness of uh, of the season that it is, not so much uh, Christmas season, but the hay and, and farming season that uh, it started to wane a little bit. And just uh, just as Matt was sharing, I was like, "Yep, no, that is exactly right," and that we we can't can't let go of. Of those things that that God has laid on us uh, in terms of giftings and and what we're called to do and and how we're called to do it. Anyone else want to share? Yep. Uh, last year, after pretty um, turbulent twenty sixteen, I suppose we um, welcomed Eleanor into our family, and she's been a real blessing. Uh, we knew from day dot that she was very much God-given. Uh, the timing, everything, how it just fell into place has, has really been a blessing uh, for, for us as a family and we really feel um, a, a complete family now. Uh, and also the ability with support and that not only from people at church but um, just around and knowing that God was there. I managed to finish my uni degree last year which has been years coming. Um, and that was has been a really big thing. So two things for us, um, and a new year, and uh, yeah, we wait to see the the next steps there. So mm. that's awesome. That's awesome. There's actually um, this is going to sound funny. I'm going to share some of my leftovers with you this morning. I really felt that God wanted to um, something that he he taught me in. 2017 and 2016 and 15 and 14, but particularly in 2017, something that was was significant through the year and is also significant as we had it head into this year. And it's around the topic of how do we know what God is saying? How do we know what God is saying? So many times last year, I asked the question, God, what are you saying? What What are you saying in this situation? What do you want me to share in this situation? What do you... What are you saying about this decision or this choice? So many times that question came up. And so many times others asked me, 
What do you think God's saying in this scenario? What do you think God's saying in this situation? Now, last year I spent a fair bit of time in my messages. You would have noticed a a theme quite often about hearing and obeying. It was something that came up in a a number of passages in Mark and, and different places, the significance of hearing and obeying and how fundamental that is to living the abundant life that God's called us to, to worshipping him, to, to, to following him, is hearing and obeying. And yet, as I look back, I didn't really get a chance or, or have the opportunity to share much about hearing, about what it's like to hear. And so this year, this week, I just want to share a little bit of, of the leftovers from that space of what, what God taught me last year. And it's not a, an area that I'm a guru in, but it's an area that he's definitely been refining and teaching and, and cultivating. And there's three different things that I want to just touch on about understanding what God's saying. Three different things that we contribute to that picture. Now, first of all, I want to say that God speaks, and God speaks clearly, and he speaks frequently. It's not something that is just a mysterious, once upon a time somebody heard God say something. Now, he speaks in many, many different ways, and I'm not going to go into, into that side of the picture, but there's, I just want to make it clear that God does speak, that God does communicate. He's a living, active God who, through his Spirit, communicates with his people. Those that want to hear, he talks to. But the first thing that um, has a massive impact that, that I guess I, I um, was confronted with last year about hearing what God's saying, the first thing is our attitude and a motive. What is it that we want out of that situation? And I realized last year that so often I treat God like, you know, the, the drive through at Macca's, that when you're hungry and there's no other option, because who would be there other than if you had to at 11 o'clock at night, and you go, I want something, so I'm going to go through the drive through and I'm going to order something, and that's it. It's just out of necessity. Or the other, other part of that is where you just want, you know, I've already decided what I want and I want God to rubber stamp it. So I've already worked out what I want and I'm just in front of him going, God, is this all right if I, go, if I do this? There's this sense that we, we treat God like a, a resource or a tool that we go to him and we want something. Now, last year, early on, I said, said to God, okay, I, I really have a sense that you only want me to, to share messages that you've given me. I don't want to give messages that are just my own wisdom. I really want them from you. And so I made a commitment to say, look, if there's nothing that you want me to share, I'm not going to share. I'm not going to make up a message for a Sunday morning if, you, if I don't have a sense that you've given it to me. Now, that's a really nice idea. But I vividly recall one week where Friday is normally the day that I prepare my message. I'll be praying and reading during the week. But Friday's the day that I actually start putting, I'll say pen to paper, but typing on a computer. And it got to Friday, and I had nothing. There wasn't, I couldn't even pretend that I was, you know, there was a bit of something. I knew there was nothing. And I basically spent most of the Friday just praying and reading and hoping something would come to light and got to the end of Friday, and I had a few other jobs to do, which were fortunate, because by the end of the day, I felt like I achieved nothing. I'm like, okay, God. I'm helping someone out tomorrow, so I'm not sitting down writing message notes tomorrow. Saturday's pretty busy. How does this fit together? And it's in that space that all of a sudden I realize my selfishness in the scenario because 
I didn't care about what you heard on Sunday morning. I did care about what I'd committed to, but I just wanted a word like driving through Maccas. I needed something. Give it to me. And I'd missed the whole purpose and the agenda. My motive was twisted. I just, I needed something and I just went to God to say, give it to me. Come on, I need it. And he remained silent. And it was awesome hearing from Paul and, and the story that he shared earlier about um, the, the annoyance of, of just asking over and over again for, for something that, that I was in a place where I had to actually let go. I had to say to God, I'm okay with you not giving me something to share for Sunday. And the amazing thing was, I'm at this person's house in their front yard doing some weeding and God gave me a passage. And just instantly, it was like, bang, here's the passage, here's what I want you to talk about. I was like, wow. And it was a process of actually realizing how much I had got a twisted motive, even trying to do something good. Even in trying to do something good, my motive was twisted. I was using God in a way. It says in James 4, the end of verse 2, it says, you do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you give, what you get, on your pleasures. I'll repeat it. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. It's a little bit like a baby. If you think about a baby, they cry when they want food. They cry when they have a dirty nappy. They cry when they want attention. They cry when they're tired. No one actually criticizes a baby for being selfish. They go, well, that's, they're a baby. That's what they do. And I'm sure Simon and Michelle know nothing about that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? You go, that's, that's fine. Um, there's, no, there's no issue that, with that. But the way Simon and Michelle treat Eleanor is like a baby. The communication they respond with is like a baby. And sometimes we act like babies towards God and expect him to treat us like adults. Our motive is like a baby, just crying and having a whinge all the time and wanting that, ad, ad, that attitude. And when he talks differently to what we wanted, we're surprised. We go, well, how, hang on, how come you didn't treat me like an adult and give me all the information? And when we're acting like babies, just being demanding and selfish and, and, and treating like a, a Macca's drive through so the first thing I realized, I didn't realize, but it was, was really apparent to me last year is my attitude towards why I want to know what God is saying is really important. And it not only changes what I hear, because sometimes I hear things that I wasn't expecting, but it also changes how God communicates. And so that's the first thing. The second thing is space and time. Those that did ID groups will have heard this story before in a different context. But last year, through the, the wise counsel of a couple of awesome young guys, I started going for a walk. The plan was to go for a walk every morning of the, of the week, and realistically, I kind of did it two or three times a week. But I was blown away with, with no agenda, no, no agenda. And the, the rule was, they said, you've got to turn your phone off, can't, can't have your phone on. And the rule was, was just to spend time with God. And you know what? It was amazing. might sound stupid. You might go, well, that's kind of pretty obvious. You spend 40 minutes with God every day. That's going to make a difference. But there's a gap between our ideals and our reality. And so I knew it in theory, but the practice of it was actually really significant. 
That was on the good side. On the bad side, my Bible reading became a need to prepare for messages. So I'd read the Bible a heap, but it became a tool, a resource to prepare a message. And I'd go, okay, God, if you want me to share about this, I better, I better understand it well, and so I'd read. So it wasn't that I wasn't reading Scripture. It was that I was reading it for agenda, and it was fascinating when we were doing Mark. Do you remember when we were doing Mark? There was a, a point there where someone else was, was preaching, and every week that I shared, I asked you guys, have you read it already? And I got here that morning and went, oh, I haven't even read the chapter this week. So the previous weeks, I've studied it, I've, I've read commentaries, I've looked into it, I've, I've done the groundwork, but the one week that I'm not on, I haven't even done what I've asked everyone else to do, and that was to read Scripture beforehand. And it really shocked me. I was only doing it, my time and my space wasn't committed. My time and my space was, was out of a need to do something, not out of a love for the Word. It says in Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, Trust in the Lord with your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Does anyone know a word that I missed out twice in that passage? Trust in the Lord with your heart and... Ah, someone picked it. Who was that? Well done. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. So he's committed to directing your path. He's done that part. He's, he's committed to that. And as has been shared, Loren shared, that when God says something, he's faithful. So he's going to do his part. But we end up in a position where our hearts are divided. All our heart is not trusting God. All our ways do not acknowledge him. And I realized in, in my time with the Word, my, time, my quiet times, my, my time with God, that it was a token gesture, not my best. It was something that my time and my space was not committed to Him. It's kind of like we talked about motive being a bit like a baby. If you think about a, a young couple in love, it uh, doesn't matter which, which half you talk about, they just want to spend time together. Everything that they've written or talked or said or done, they want to know about. They want to experience because they want to get as much as they can of time and space from the person. Now, I imagine if one of the two had written a love letter, the other one would pour over it, would study it, would desire. And this is, this is where I realized that my time in the Word was not treating it like the love letter that God's written for me to understand him, to work in parallel with his spirit. You see, when we think about Daniel in the Bible, we want his godly insight, his ability to, to discern dreams, to discern dreams and to understand them. And the king had him around because he was, he was an amazingly gifted guy. We want that, but we don't want his diligence and his commitment and his regular you know, he was a very, very faithful, diligent man, and he was passionate about his serving the Lord. So we want what he had, but we're not sure we want the all that he gave. And if you want to know what God is saying, I, I can just tell you, spend quality time with him. It makes a massive difference to hearing what God's saying. And the third thing, and it's deliberately third, 
because it's not necessary to know what God is saying. This is really helpful, and that is experience. When we look at our spiritual heroes, you know, our elders, some might say Dan Moller or who else is there, Bill Johnson, Tony Campolo, these, these guys, we look at them and you might say, wow, I want to be like them. They're, they're amazing guys or, or girls and I want to be like them. But we forget that they actually started not where they are today. They didn't start where they are today. They started in very, very different places. When Daniel, um, my son Daniel, was about to go to school, he said, Mum and Dad, I can't go to school. I, I can't go. We went, why? He goes, because I don't know how to read and write. That's what you do at school. You, you read and write, and I don't know how to. It's like, but you'll learn. But I don't know how to, so how will I be able to? And he had this disconnect between what he could do and the potential of what he could do. And he went, I can't go to school because I can't read, read and write. And now he laughs about, about it because he can see the idea of, of having a go is a significant part of growth and learning. In Hebrews 5, 13 to 14, it says, Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. It's the constant use that has trained them. We have an amazing Holy Spirit that provides in our weakness. And I'm not trying to say that if we work harder, all of a sudden we're going to be better. What I am trying to say is that my experience this last year is that I've actually learned more from stuffing things up than I have from getting them right. Your humility is tested when you stuff things up, which is healthy for me. You learn that obeying the small things first is actually really important. You look at the big things and want to get them right, but it's actually the little things that God's saying to me are just as important as the big things that he's saying. And obeying those little things are so important. By making this a priority, there's, there's a, sensitive, a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit that, that I haven't had in the past. And there's a discernment between self and God. There's a, there's a better understanding that you get as you stretch and as you step out. And these three things have been really significant for me in terms of the leftovers of 2017 that I don't want to let go of. And I just want to share it with you guys because I think it's really valuable as we go into this year. And that question is going to keep coming up for us. It's not going to change what's God saying. But I guess I don't want us to walk into this year blind and just going, I hope God says something. Maybe he will. There's actually some things that in my little experience that I can say have made a massive impact. And that is my attitude towards God and checking that. Am I being like a baby and just having a whinge? Is it all about me? Or, or, is it, or actually do I want to know what God says because what he says is valuable? My time and my space has been fundamental to understanding and to hearing what God's saying. And having a go has been so important. Not about getting it right every time, but about stepping out and trusting God. Trusting God in my little experience. And I've said to a few people this past year, it seems like God's voice is like the rudder of a boat. That when the boat's sitting in the dock, the rudder does nothing. 
It, it feels like it does nothing. It might be doing something, but I don't know. It's only when I'm moving that all of a sudden the rudder starts having an impact. And there's that sense of going, God, in 2018, I trust you already. I'm going to step out and move. And there's a bunch of stuff that I know you've already said. You made it very clear where your heart lies. The weak, the vulnerable, the persecuted, you love and you want us to be light to them. Those that are in darkness, you want us to share your light. I know that already. I don't need your revelation today to know that. You've said that to me over and over again. You've said it through your word. You've said it through others. There's a heart that you have for people that I don't need to come and ask you whether you've got that heart or not, whether that's for me. That's, that's God inside me. I know that already. And I can step out into those, even though I might not know what tomorrow looks like, I can step out in obedience to what he said yesterday, to what he said in his word, and know that he is faithful, and know that he is a God that communicates and speaks and shares with us. So I'm really excited about this year. I'm really excited about what God's doing in this community. But we've got to continue just to say, God, we want to be people that listen and obey. And if I'm listening, then I need to, I need to get the right motive. I need to give you time and space. And I need to be prepared to give it a go, even if I don't necessarily understand, even if it sounds scary, even if I've never done it before. And, and, and fitting into this, there's another little piece if I've got to understand everything before I'm prepared to step out, then he's not God, I am. Because if I take what he tells me and goes, okay, when I've solved it all, then I'll step out in obedience, then he's not God, he's just a nice advisor on the side. And I've decided I'm God and I'll make the decisions. If we're going to step out in faith and go, God, this experience that you're taking me through, I'm going to learn whether I fall over or whether I you know, climb the mountain, they're both going to be something that I can use to further your kingdom, to make a difference for what you're doing. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you so much that you speak, that you speak loud and clear. Lord, I know sometimes we are like infants. We are like babies. I know I am, Lord. And, uh, and Lord, I don't want to stay there. I love your milk, but I, Lord, I want, I want the, um, the, the mature food as well, Father. So, Lord, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you will continue this year as you have last year and in previous years, Lord, to spur us on, to help us not stay where we are, to help us see the things that we need to put into our lives, to help us see the things that we need to respond to you for so that we can be people that hear and obey. Lord, we know that is the best way. We know, Lord, that you have the best plans, the best purposes, and the best intentions for us. And so, Father, we just pray that in our weaknesses, you are strong. Lord, we thank you so much for your grace, for your mercy, and your love that says that you don't shut up and walk away when we are immature, Lord God, but you keep pursuing us. And, Lord, we are so grateful for that. And we come to you and say, Lord, we want to remember the things that you've de deposited in our hearts this past year. We want those things to be part of the hope and the joy and the peace that carries us into this coming year. That we might not be people that just go around the merry-go-round, but we continue to grow, to learn, and to be the people that you want us to be. We thank you, Lord. Jesus' name. Amen.